Welcome to Game Store Profits, episode 204, where we talk about God, games, and groups. I'm your host, Jeff Romo, and as always, frequently out of breath, but always keeping up, TR Knight. Uh, mostly. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. <laughs> hey, man. How's it going? Good. I actually get lightheaded. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little too much into that skit. I gotta say, you know, it, it's it's fun to like do come up with these wacky ideas at the beginning of each episode. But you know, some weeks, oh my gosh, it's hard to like come up with something new. I think this one we like pulled out of the can like right at the last second. Yep. <laughs> and sadly, as of the silence that you can tell, we are missing a member. That's not right. just because That's of a right. Games Workshop store. No, not just game jerk. No, 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 not just because of that. But yeah, Daniel is—he's—he's uh, he's under the weather. He has got—you um, know—always good to be praying for us, folks, for our personal lives and for work lives, and even for our gaming lives, because sometimes trying to find those spare minutes here and there is uh, a race unto itself. But uh, always spare some prayers for us, uh, folks, and uh, uh, Daniel's definitely no exception. So. Prayers up for his back pain and, uh, and and reconciling with the chiropractor, the proper ministrations that need to be done. I keep hearing that he's going to some guy named S. Seagal, Stephen Seagal, something like that. I told him it's not. It's not good. I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> hey, I just need to insert a neck cracking sound right here and we're good. And a small ponytail and a black shirt. <clears throat> That's right. So... Well, speaking speaking of ponytails, black shirts, and leather jackets, um, it's uh, it's Indy five hundred time. I mean, at least it, at the time of our recording. Yep, just passed this past weekend before we recorded. We had the 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 great race. There's so many, you know, the greatest um, spectacle in racing. It is called by some. We get right. to hear. Uh, well, used to we got to hear Jim Neighbors sing back home again in Indiana. Now it's somebody That's else right. singing it. Just big excitement here. I'm from Indiana. Sadly, I've never been to the Indianapolis 500. <laughs> I've been to races. That's crazy. I've gone to That's local crazy. races. I like dirt track racing and local races. Mm. I've gone to some of those, but I, I don't know. I've just, like a lot of people in Indiana, I listen to it on the radio or watch it on TV later. I'm right. not a big indie fan per se, but it is neat to happen in the state. It is a big deal. 
Some people yeah. call it the biggest event in this in the state. There's an argument if Gen Con is as big or I was going to say, wait a second, um, consistent population at above the ten thousands mark. I mean, so it's interesting. That's pretty good. Um, but yes, so if you have not figured it out based on our skit and that, we're talking about racing and running the race and racing well. That's right. That's right. I, uh, you know, I, I have pretty good memories with, with racing as far as the actual event itself. We have a, over here in Southern California, we have this uh, small little track called the El Cajon Speedway where uh, Jeff Johnson got his start. And so I've had an opportunity to see him race before he got big. But, um, and you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of like baseball for me. It's, it's different when you go and you actually see it versus seeing it on the, on the TV. And, uh, while I, I do enjoy it once in a while on television, I'll, I'll watch some formula one racing, that sort of thing. But yeah, the hearing the engines and the, uh, uh the squeal of tires and the, the crowd roaring every time they come by the stands, it's pretty cool. And it's pretty darn cool. It is. It, I've been it though. You go to a race, it's a different feel. Plus, you get the smells of the rubber and the road and all the rumbling sounds. And yeah. It's it's an experience. I admit it. I mean, I grew up, my parents liked racing growing up, so I would go to a lot. I and mean, my grandfather was a racer when he was young. My grandfather really? used to race alcohol-modified Model Ts. <laughs> no kidding. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, he would tell the stories of racing the old antiques. By then, they were even getting old by that time, and they would race them around yeah. different dirt tracks in the area. So, I grew, my whole family grew up around where I am. I'm not that far from the birthright of my family. Dude, that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. Those are some fantastic memories. Yeah, so racing is interesting. I mean, I'd, and so growing up, before he passed away, we did watch races. Like, we would watch NASCAR. We would watch um, different street races, enduro races. He wasn't, he would do Indy 500, but it wasn't his favorite. He was definitely a mm. stock racer. We'd go over gotcha. to the Muncie Raceway. We'd go to Anderson Raceway. We'd go to the drag races in Muncie. So there are a lot of around here. There's even a dirt track now just over in Gas City, about, I don't know, five miles from my house on Friday nights, even with the windows closed during the summer, you can hear the racing. You can Get hear the rumbling as it goes around the track. <laughs> if you have your windows open, you can listen to the race. <laughs> I think the only rumbling I get around here is either from the uh, the street-modded racer cars that go speeding past my uh, my window or the uh, the distant hits of the, the test-firing howitzers from the Marine Corps base that's nearby. So, uh, yeah, that's about what rumbles my windows lately. Well, speaking of memories, this is probably a good way to transition into the archive dive, which is going to be a little different, but very thematic. Archive dive. So, not a game I have played recently. Um, Probably within the last year I've played it. Because it's a game that I enjoyed growing up, and I thought we should bring it up. Because it is, I would consider, one of the classic racing games of all time. And that's Millborn, or growing up in Indiana, Millisborn, or Milliborns, or there was all these weird names for it, but no one knew how to pronounce it. But Millborn, if you've ever played it, is a card game where you're playing against another person and you can play flat tires on them and other stuff, and they're playing things on you, and you're laying down mileage, and you're trying to get to the end faster than they do. It's a very simple card game. Did you play it when you were growing up as a kid? I recall it being in the shelf of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And the reason I remember this is because my grandma had, she she actually got my mom started in cars, like loving cars. Uh, my grandfather did as well. 
I had had a chance to meet my grandfather before he passed, but some of the effects of that was translated into a 1974 Pontiac Le Mans that uh, that my grandmother had that uh, she had paid somebody to have souped up, and this was when she was 62. <laughs> nice. But one of the things I do remember is seeing this this kind of beat up board game that was there. I don't believe we ever had a chance to watch it uh, or play it. But um, yeah, I, I do recall it being nearby and no, covered I, in, in cigarette smoke stains. <laughs> no, I did. I definitely played it growing up as one of those classic games. Like, you know, we had the game that Daniel doesn't like to talk about, Monopoly. Um, <laughs> we had Skipbo, Uno, Bonkers, different games. But Milliborn was one of the games that we played. We enjoyed it. I actually have a deck and I've pulled it out and played it. Um, I find, I mean, it's a fun game. It's, it's a very simple game, but it is considered, I would say, one of the classics of all time when it comes to racing games. Um, I even looked it up. It came out in 1954. Yeah, and it's still out. You can still buy decks of it at Walmart and Target. I actually did look. So the games are still out there. It's still being printed. There's even an app for the phone. There's a whole bunch of generic versions of it. So it's actually a game that's still out there and pretty popular. It had quite a few downloads when I looked at it. Nice. So if you want to try a classic racing game, look up Milliborn, spelled M-I-L-L-E-B-O-R-N-E-S. Because if I'm pronouncing it wrong, it's I'm a Hoosier. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust, I like Milliborn because it makes me think of my grandma. Yeah. But, uh, but that works fine. That works just fine. Well, a brief visit to the past is usually followed by a, a, a little road trip to the future. So uh, why don't you all join us as we head over on the horizon. So I, okay, I didn't have a lot when it comes to what I'm looking forward to just this last week. And that's mainly because I've been doing a lot of game prep for a couple of one-shots that I've put together, that sort of thing. Um, But one thing that I do share with you, and that is a certain movie that's coming out, that by the time this episode drops, I'm going to be extremely jealous of you, and I know it. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) Because I'm going to go see it this weekend? Yes, because you're going to see it this past weekend, this future weekend from us, past weekend for the... Anyway, I can't deal with the whole time thing. Yeah. You look at our last episode if you want to And deal it's with not that. really a race, but I'm going to race you to see it first. <laughs> you're going to freaking win, that's for <laughs> sure. So, okay, so, it, and I think it's okay. I mean, there's people racing for their lives. There's going to be tra- tra- traditional, you know, uh, people running away, you know. and Could be even the end of the human race. It could be the end of the human race. There you go. So what, what's, what's the first thing on your list of things you're looking forward to on the horizon? Well, that movie that you didn't name is Godzilla, King of Monsters. Ah! <laughs> I am a huge Godzilla fan. Been watching him since the original Godzilla in the hokey rubber suit. Even somewhat like the Matthew Broderick version that came out. But the new ones, I love the new Godzilla came out. I loved Kong Skull Island. And the idea that they're remaking King of Monsters, which is a classic movie. We're bringing back Mothra. We're bringing back Rodan. King Ghidorah looks like he's in there. I don't know who all else is in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, it's It looks amazing. It's got great actors and actresses in it. So, one, I like big monster movies. I like Kaiju. I like Godzilla, Pacific Rim. I'm an old Ultraman fan. <laughs> 
I like Gamora. <laughs> Shoot, I can even watch Power Rangers just for the fight scenes. There you go. <laughs> like Voltron. Hey, did you see the new Ultraman on Netflix? No, I have not seen the new Ultron yet. I, I'm thinking about that Ultraman. I'm, I'm yeah. Uh... yeah, the new Ultraman. You're right. No, I've not seen the new Ultraman. I love Ultraman, the old ones, the the hokey old yeah. series with the special effects is great. But no, I'm super excited to go see Godzilla King of Monsters. My daughter is excited to go see it. One of my daughters is excited to go see it with me. She wants to go. She's falling in love with the big <laughs> monsters as well. She loves King of Tokyo. It's one of her favorite games. So I mean, I love King of Tokyo, the game. Um, I like uh, Kaiju Crush, the board game. I just love the idea that I can play with giant monsters. So yes, that's I'm going to be racing to the theaters this weekend <laughs> to see Godzilla King of Monsters because I'm just excited to see it. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I uh, I have the fondest memories of my grandmother's house, not just from the for the the roaring Pontiac, uh, but uh, but also because we would sit there and watch old old Godzilla films together. And she would just just enjoy them all to pieces. You, you wouldn't expect it. Looking around her home, it's got the dainty doilies and stuff. I mean, she smoked like a fiend, but she had like really nice stuff all around. And then all of a sudden, she's, her little square, tiny Zenith TV is just blasting out Godzilla. It's amazing. Uh, it's I so love amazing. I grew up watching him on Monster Theater. Or a local channel here yeah. had this Monster nice. Theater Hour. Yep. And it did all like them and all them. But anytime the Godzilla ones were on, I had to watch mm. them. Got to be there. Gotta Every one of them. Even the one with the smog monster. <laughs> <laughs> one of my least favorite memories of Godzilla. <laughs> but no, so that's that's my non-game on the horizon. Had to share because I'm pumped to go see this movie. Heck yeah. So for me, um, you know, I, I just mentioned I'm, I've been working on a couple of one-shot ideas. One of them is, is – or both of them are actually splintered off of the Glass Dagger series that we just released. So this first one, we just recorded it, and I'll, I'll tell you, it might be too obvious if I say uh, Derek W. and Mike P. and Kyle S. are involved, but uh, these guys are involved with it. It's a one-shot, and it's a heist game or a heist session. And uh, as I was looking at the at the result, you know, finishing doing some editing and stuff, I get this ping from Mike Perna saying, hey, there's this Kickstarter that's releasing in June. Maybe we should have waited for this. And it is called The Role Player's Guide to Heists by Sandy Pug Games. And it's uh, it's going to be coming out here fairly, I think, in like June 15th, the Kickstarter launches. And it is basically all about designing heists. It's uh, It's set for any kind of role-playing game that you'd have out there. But it has anything from you know, drawing maps, uh, tricks and, 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 and uh, traps that you can have set up for the heist, uh, opponents that could be involved. So it, it looks like a handy little uh, uh, role-playing game tool, uh, a handy game master's tool to have at your side. And in fact, if you're, you know, when you're looking for ideas of how to, you know, how to break into some place, then maybe you know, it might be good for the players. So something I was looking forward to and didn't even know it was. Now I am, but uh, Role Player's Guide to Heists by Sandy Pug Games. So Kickstarter on the, I think, mid-June. Sounds interesting because that's one of the things, we, we're used to dungeon crawls, we're used to infiltrations, yep. but heists are different. They have a very specific yeah. kind of theme and feel to them. Like, I love the Oceans movies, both yep. the old and the new. Um, yep. I like the uh, that heist kind of feel for those. So that'll be interesting to see how that book marries the two now is it fantasy or is it generic just heist in general for role-playing games 
Some of the designs looks like it's it could be anywhere from like Victorian to modern, but I think some of the concepts they've made general enough that it could be used at any time. You know, like one of the settings, I think they had a schematic of a theater. So I think a theater could fit anywhere from from now to past to, you know, Faerun. See, I know Heist, for me, Heist the most happened when I played Cyberpunk. You know, different yeah. kind of like Cyberpunk and Cyberspace, those two games, Shadowrun. I remember doing Heist there. It but, fits well. But I never did many heists in other things. So that's going to be interesting to see how well this lets you do heists in other genres. I, I am really surprised lately. Um, I've I've written uh, maybe like about a dozen one-shots that I had some schematics for, uh, two of which I ended up taking to Gary Khan, and one of those ended up being a heist. Uh, another one that I had written up and uh, and ran for a couple of folks ended up being a heist, and then... The idea for this uh, this recent one shot ended up being a heist. So I don't know. I, I maybe just have you have heist leverage on the, on the brain or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. Your your <laughs> thoughts have been heisted. Oh, okay, okay. Get out, get out, get out. <laughs> ah, that's not down to dad level yet. That's not quite there. It's not quite there. Okay, we have room for one more. What do you think? Well, this is going to be a lead in, so I'm not going to give a lot of details because okay. it's going to be in our next session we're talking about. But I've mentioned before Gaslands. It's mm-hmm. a game I like. It's using Hot Wheels and Matchbox size cars for doing miniature. Well, Gaslands refueled their second editions coming out this fall. Already? So, well, they learned a lot because really this game was kind of like a little sleeper hit. They kind of snuck it out there. It was a neat thing and it exploded. And they've put out other expansions for it. So they're going to pull all the expansions together. They're going to take the errata, pull it in, and clean up. But they've guaranteed it'll be compatible with the original. But cleaner rules, a lot of other stuff. So I love Gaslands, which also makes me kind of put on hold my Gaslands for now. Let me work on some other things (laughs) and come back heavy. I'm hoping, hoping it's available at Gen Con. They're saying by early fall it'll be available, which usually hints that they're going to try to have it ready at Gen Con. So I will be at their booth looking for that. I can't imagine that if with the popularity of Gaslands in general, that they wouldn't have at the very least a prototype at Gen Con. So we'll talk more about that in a little bit. It's a little hint to things to come. So don't race away. We're going to talk more about it. (laughs) Gosh, there's going to be more jokes like this. I can just tell. I can just tell. It's one of those evenings. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm having to fill in for Daniel and I, so I'm doing both. Yeah, you're you're a straight man tonight, and I'm both the other comedians. (laughs) Pulling pulling double duty, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and like pack up this segment. I'm gonna put it in the trunk, and uh, let's let's go ahead and uh, put ourselves into drive as we uh, as we head over to uh, our racing games, our favorite racing games. And you wouldn't think that there'd be a lot out there, and you would be wrong. There's actually quite a few that are out there dedicated towards racing. Anything from, what was that, uh, pitch cars, you know, where you're just, it's it's an actual physical type game. Yeah, you're flicking little pieces of wood around a board. Yeah, to, to Gaslands, right? You, what we just talked about. So you've got a good list of them out here. I've got one that's a card game, and then I've got a couple that are video games, which is just kind of where my childhood was. But uh, why don't you why don't you lead us off? What's the first one you'd like to chat about? Well, so here's a fun thing: when people think racing, more often than not, they jump out and say cars. They might talk about other things, but people just kind of in their mind think race cars. Well, I'm going to throw a curve right from the start and talk about one of my favorite board games for racing, 
and it's a game called Jamaica. Jamaica's been out for a while. It's actually, I mean, I don't remember. I forgot to look up how long it's been out since it's been out, but it's an older game. It's actually pirate ships running around the island. You race around, you're trying to gather treasure, and even winning the race doesn't win the game. So getting across first, going across the finish line first gets you more points, but if someone has done a better job of gathering treasure and doing other things along the way, they can still win the game because it's not just about being first. It's about being the fastest and the best pirate. <laughs> and it's a beautiful table presence. If you've never seen it, it's this beautiful board with actual miniature ships that are running around. And you just beautiful cards with artwork. It is a great game. It's a pro- um, programmable movement game. You pick which one and you're putting in and you lay it down and you pick how you're using it. Okay. Dice affect it, like it'll affect which side of the uh, card you're using. It is one of my favorite games. We used to play it at lunch at work. It would often come out at game days. Honestly, I haven't played it in a little while. And so now when I was thinking about this topic, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to pull Jamaica out and play it again soon. Because it is it is such a fun game to play. And here's here's one of the questions. I think this is my most popular question I'll ask about a board game. You mentioned playing it at lunch. So does that mean that it's it's a relatively short game? Yes, it can be played in under an hour. Oh, there you go. Honestly, there were times we could get two games of it in during a lunch hour. Once you had enough people who knew how to play it and could do it yeah. quickly, you could play usually two rounds of the game in a lunch All hour, right. which was fun. And like I said, it became one of the most popular. It would get asked for to come back to lunch. Well, let me ask, since it has ships in it, you mentioned pirates, will it ghost marsh? Oh, so you're trying to pull that out, huh? No, <laughs> no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, 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 I'm giving TR the business because he, he decided... To show me, to my face, his fresh, fresh off the print copy of Ghosts of Saltmarsh. And I'm just, wow. So I thought I would, I, would, I would ruin the title. I would merge it from A to Z. And then just ask him the question. Yep. But. So that's my next campaign I'm running. Jamaica, the role-playing game. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So that's my first one. So Jeff, okay. tell us about your... First favorite racing game. All right. Roll on so, over there. I'm gonna all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it in reverse back out of this subject because we don't want to go into RPGs. We've been in RPG land for a long time. Long time. And it's my fault. I know. It's a lot about my fault. So I will take this over into card game land and we'll talk a little bit about Famous Five Hundred, the world's smallest car racing game. This one is basically a way to uh, run a race or drive a race. You're, you're, you're driving in these, you know, in, in these fi- uh, the famous 500. It's basically all of these fast playing car simulation games that you, that you want to like be able to tweak your engines, tweak your tires. It's almost well, we'll get to we'll get to my video game thing that I wanted to pick later. But it basically gives you this ability to maintain your car and then run the race with that car. And you have anything uh, that will uh, customize this race or alter the race, anything from, you know, hairpin turns to gentle curves, um, straightaways, that sort of thing, where you kind of gear your car towards being able to handle it. As you increase in speed, it becomes more dangerous for your car, so you end up having to work out uh, how to avoid being turned into a gigantic explosion. But overall, I haven't played it in years, 
but it has uh, it, it stuck with me as a great card game and i've as i go towards board games i i will generally drift towards the card uh, or the deck games simply simply because it's something that i can kind of carry around with me quickly so um yeah i've i've enjoyed that a few times in the past um i think it's uh, how long has it been since it's a two-player game but uh, the great thing that I like about this is that it's about 30 to 45 minutes, maybe. Like when you're learning, it's about a 45-minute curve. Ha! Curve. Get it? But um, 30 minutes on average. So I'm curious, do you like the car building part or the racing part of the game better? I kind of like the car building part. <laughs> That's what I figured. It's like character creation. Yeah. Dang it! RPGs again! <laughs> to be honest, not a racing game, but a good segue game. You should look up a game called Pit Crew. By Jeff Engelstein. Okay. It's a speed game where you're laying cars down and you're trying to get your car in and out of the pits faster than the other teams. And then you get to go do laps and then you're basically trying to repair the car again and its tires and get gas and everything in it. I like it. It's a speed card game called Pit Crew by Jeff Engelstein. And so it's a good segue from the one that you already like. Yeah, I do like that. I like that. Very cool. So Pit Crew. I'm going to put that down. Putting it down. I'll try it out. Still, so you're doing cars. I'm doing not cars. I'm going to do another (laughs) not car race. This is actually, this is my current favorite modern racing board game. So I grew up in Indiana. If you know anything about Indiana, Indiana used to be known, actually still pretty well known for its bike racing. So bike racing is not just a thing going on in Europe. Bike racing even happens here in Indiana and it's pretty heavy. But the game that I love, and I've been blessed that I got to work on it as well. It's a game by Stronghold Games, so I got to even do the editing on it and its expansions. It's a game called Flamme Rouge. Flamme Rouge is a bike racing game where you have two bikes. You have your lead right, basically um, your roller um, and your sprinter, um, the French terms. And the idea is one guy runs faster, one guy's stronger. You have to go and draft. So it has rules for drafting. It has rules for being in groups. The base game has that. It has hills, and it affects your speed. You have passing rules. The core game has only so many players it can have in it. Then they had an expansion to add more. If you get all the expansions, this game can handle up to 12 people. This is like a party racing game. So normally it would be six because you would do both of your racers. But you can split it out and play 12 by each person playing one of the racers. I so desperately want to find the time and the patience to paint the miniatures. They have these beautiful little biker miniatures. These guys on their bicycles, they look great, and I want to paint them all, and I haven't. But (laughs) it is, every time I pull it out, and I've been at conventions and watched it played, I was at the release party, it's talked about by so many different game pundits and different people doing reviews, it is considered one of the best pure racing games. So it's not combat. It's it's not cars, but it's bikes, but it's racing. It has these incredibly yeah. intense racing rules. You get excited. The race goes right up to the last minute. I mean, literally, you can think you're in last place, and with a well-placed card, you can whip by everybody and win the race, like a real bike race. Jeez, and then the other awesome. expansions add more track. And the newest expansion adds weather so now you have weather oh, impacting no. the race so if you like games like formula day downforce which are some really popular ones out now if you just like that pure mechanic of racing i really feel flam rouge is one of the best 
and it's card-based. You play your cards out ahead of time. You don't know what anyone else has played. And then you flip them, and your bikes all have to move based on what everybody else does. It's Yeah. So, so you can play a card and get completely messed up by what someone else does with their bike. <laughs> it's really <laughs> annoying. And you can get out in front, and then you end up pushing yourself too hard, so you're taking um, hindrance cards. They're not called that. I just forgot the name of them. But you take a special penalty card if you get way out in front because of the wind resistance. If you're just barely behind everybody, you get a free boost and you get pulled forward with the pack. There's just so many fun mechanics to this game. And it looks neat on the table. It's another one of these games that has a great presence. But it's just, it's a great strategy game that when you first start it, it's pretty simple to learn. You're just playing cards to say how far you move. But over time, you realize, okay, do I use my fast cards early? Do I use my slow cards? Oh, there's a hill coming up. Do I, right. you know, cruise down the bottom? Yeah, there's so many tactics as you get into this game. That's awesome. I, I love the <laughs> the idea of, like, you know, drafting, of, like, you know, like getting yourself winded. or yep. Oh, my gosh. That's that's really fun. Oh, it's I, really I kinda like well that. done. That game really speaks to the... The, the futsy side of me where I like the uh, uh, it, it's really strange. Like I think that it actually would like bringing in RPGs before one of the things that I really liked when I first started role-playing games was the, uh, uh, the layers upon layers of rules mechanics. You know, I started off with Palladium's Rifts. I had, you know, Shadow Run first through third edition. Um, Pathfinder was loomed large in my, in my, uh, uh, my gaming history. And and I think that for games like this, I really like those kinds of mechanics where there's layers of, I don't want to say just intricacy, but it just allows you to customize your experience, right? You're customizing your, your you know, whether it's the wheels or whether, like you said, you're, you're, you're drafting or you're pushing yourself now or you're, you're going to hit that burst of speed right now. You know, it's all the timing. How's the other? How are the other players going to handle this? The idea that that game has upwards of six players. Oh my gosh, that's there's so many there's so many uh, options to to decide on. So, a game that I I go back to as a kid was the uh, the the Gran Turismo series and on PlayStation. I had so much fun, and I'm sure a lot of people out there did too. I had so much fun just picking out cars and going through the experience of modifying them. And there's, you know, there's certain layers of complexity to that one. I, I drifted over, ha, drifting, see, another racing term right there. I drifted over to a grand, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I drifted over to Forza Motorsport for a couple of iterations there. I think the last one that I picked up from them was, uh, was um, Forza 3 which I stuck with for a long time. That one actually, I still go back to now because it has just enough graphics that, you know, everything looks beautiful in the background and it's fun to race and you feel the the uh, the differences in your car as you start making adjustments to it. But the idea of being able to mod your engine and, and mod your, your vehicle, um, the different uh, viewpoints that you can have in a racing car and if you're lucky you, you, you can get one of those steering wheels with the force feedback on it so that you can uh, play with that but i always loved racing uh video games simply because of the uh, the ones that were good the, the the layers of mechanics to it of how you could improve your cars or or, or, or uh or make them worse. <laughs> Sometimes you just have an overpowered car that goes crazy around every single corner, and you have to learn how to be a better driver to control it. 
Yeah, see, but that was fun. I played those some. Uh, I was older. I played the Need for Speed series. That was like that's a great one. Yeah, that was a classic I played. But I agree with you. I actually the race didn't thrill me that much. It was just the modding the cars. Yeah, you just this whole stock of cars that you have that you've you know a purple Trans Am with a 442 in it or something like that, just something crazy. But I uh, I really liked those kinds of races uh, or racing games. So uh, those those are the ones that bring back some really good memories for me. That's for sure. Especially when you get a couple of people where you're racing against them. And uh, this was back before I really got involved in any kind of online gaming, which I, I, I think the only online gaming I do now is role-playing games. But this was back when you would have land parties where you'd have people, you know, putting their Xboxes together or their Playstations or whatever. And that was that was fun. See, I remember most of that being side-by-side or solo racing. When I used to do those computers, it was mostly just racing against the clock. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, speaking of modding vehicles, now we're going to go back to where I was before. My right. third favorite racing game, which is almost more combat than racing, is Gaslands. So if you grew up playing Thunder Road, which is a classic board game that's kind of like Mad Max Road Warrior. If you're an old school gamer and you liked Car Wars, and I love playing Car Wars, or GURPS had an auto duel, which was more role-playing than the cars. So if you grew up with those, the idea that you had modded cars with big spikes on them and guns and armor and driving around and shooting at each other with those vehicles in a race or just running down a street, that's what Gaslands is, is a modern rendition. So Gaslands lets you go out and buy Hot Wheels, Matchbox, cheapy cars from the dollar store, whatever, You can play them straight like that, or if you want, you can glue bits on them, you can paint them, you can go crazy like you're a miniature gamer. But what I like about Gaslands is, one, I grew up playing Hot Wheels and Matchbox. There was nothing more fun than vroom vrooming all over the carpet (laughs) and playing with those plastic um, road races. My stepdad still has a plastic drag rip strip that we will still get out occasionally. He gets it out with my daughters and we'll drag race Hot Wheels to see who has better wheels. (laughs) So I grew up with those cars. And suddenly when I found online, there was a game that let me play with Hot Wheels as an adult. You're like, yes. (laughs) I mean, it's just amazing. And like I mentioned earlier, a next version is coming out called Gaslands Refueled. But to be able to play a miniature game that's as simple if you've ever played Attack Wing, like Star Trek Attack Wing oh, or the go. Star Wars game. Go. It uses the same kind of templates, so there's no measuring. So it's not like Miniature Warfare where you have to have the the tape measure. You don't have to deal with the line of sight stuff. It's all done with these little templates. And if you buy the book, which costs like $13 or $14 right now on Amazon, you can print out the templates on the paper or card stock do that yourself. You can print stickers out, make your own dice, and go buy Hot Wheels or pull the ones you've still got in some bin in your house. You literally <laughs> can play a miniature warfare game for less than 20 bucks. It's pretty good, man. No wonder it's sold like hotcakes. And then if you're like a lot of us who've gotten into it, I have bought way too many Hot Wheels at the local Goodwill and yeah. flea market. And when I catch them on sale at <laughs> you know, Walmart and Kmart, now I have this giant pile of Hot Wheels I haven't painted yet, but they're cool. But the idea is you can race, 
Completely. You can not use the weapons and just make it a race. I'm actually building a version of that that's based off Ready Player One, the book and the movie. I'm doing a throwback one where you're going to be able to race the General Lee, the A-Team car, Speed Racer, Ecto-1. I have a whole bunch of others, too. So I'm going to make a race. That way it's very family-friendly. You're just racing. Yeah. But then you can go full-on combat racing where you can win by just taking everybody else and never go past the finish line. (laughs) Or you can be the first past the finish line and you win. So, I mean, it is still a pure race. So, Gaslands, for those people who love Hot Wheels and miniatures, or love Hot Wheels and Matchbox, who like miniature warfare-style gaming, who like racing, and who love gluing and painting and modding vehicles and building terrain, oh, it's a match made in heaven. (laughs) It's a race to see how fast it can empty my wallet. There you go. Hey, but you know what? It's actually budget conscious. I think the most expensive thing you're going to get is maybe the paints. Oh, yeah. The paints cost more than the vehicles. Yeah, exactly. Because like you said, you go to Goodwill or or Salvation Army and you pick up these old Hot Wheels and Matchbox Matchbox racers. I buy bags. Goodwill has these bags of cars for like two bucks. (laughs) Probably like four or five other you want. You donate the rest back. Okay. So when when you're mentioning this game... Right, the the Gaslands, and you're mentioning the old Hot Wheels, the old Matchbox racers. I immediately go back in my head, and I hear the sound of a hammer crushing a Hot Wheel. Now, why why is that a good memory for me? Um, I'm not mental, so don't don't call the authorities. It's just when I lived in a certain area in uh, Houston, Texas, uh, just south of southeast of it they would have uh, demolition derbies uh, near my house. So I had the opportunity to go out and see cars getting crushed and you know, drivers having just bananas amounts of fun just demolishing their vehicles. And so I went home and I had a huge collection of Hot Wheels because my mom could afford them and you know, it, it would get you know, the, dollar, the dollar car. I would be able to go out on Saturday mornings after cartoon time and we would go and we'd... We'd get a donut, and then I would go and pick out a Hot Wheel car, and I would be able to get a Hot Wheel car just about every week. And <laughs> after seeing the Demolition Derby, I started taking hammers to my to my cars <laughs> because I wanted to have the Demolition Derby side, like with bent axles and crushed, you know, hoods and everything. And oh, my mom was not happy with that at all. See, if you still had those, you could paint them and they make great terrain for Gaslands. I was going to exactly go there. I was like, I had them ready to go just to be painted. They would have been perfect. Perfect. Oh my gosh. But um, actually, you know what? That does remind me of another game. Uh, Again, I'm going to dip into video games here again. That's my experience. Twisted Metal was a vehicle racing and combat game. That uh, was was out on PlayStation 1. I think it had an iteration on PlayStation 2 as well. Where you were basically, you were picking up all of these different vehicles that you, you know, basically character-driven vehicles. Um, uh, mine was, well, my favorite was, and I think everybody's favorite was, the, uh, the ice cream truck. And uh, being able to just drive around, you can equip it with machine guns, rocket launchers, whatever options that they had. And you'd have... Rob Zombie playing in the back, screaming in the background of the video game. They actually had, you know, the rights to some really good music. And that's blasting on my friend's stereo, blowing it out. I think we blew out his stereo playing that game because we were blasting that music and the sounds of explosions and stuff. It was one of those times where 
Um, he had, yeah, my buddy Darren had like picked up a job that he, the first major expense he did, the first two major expenses he did was a big TV and a big stereo. And we blew out the stereo playing Twisted Metal. But boy, that TV was great for having split screen fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was hilarious. So I, that was actually a very, very good memory of time where we were, um, we were, we were, we were jauntily destroying one another. And, uh, it was, uh, it sounds a lot better than that. Sounds like the prequel to Mario Kart today. That, that's true. A much, a much less friendly. Yeah. A little less friendly. Version, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. That was fun. That's. That 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 Gaslands brings back some pretty good memories. Actually, I was hoping to play a session with uh, with Sean because he had that um, he had that as one of the games for uh, uh, Gary Con. Yeah, that was that was pretty amazing too. So yeah, I'm looking forward to playing that game. I just don't know if I can convince my wife to let me buy a whole grip of <laughs> Hot Wheels again. <laughs> well, not to accelerate the podcast. Oh, oh, bad pun night. But really. When we talk about racing, you know, we're talking about the fun that we have with racing. You know, we've talked about games that are fun to play, you know, video games that are fun. Shoot, we could get into movies that were racing if we wanted. We're not going to go there, but there's so many good, you know, Fast and Furious movies. Go the classic Bullet. Oh, God. Cannonball Run. French Connection. Yeah, so many. But racing is something we grew up with, either with our family. We grew up watching it on TV. I mean, shoot, we watched the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote always chasing each other. Yeah. The old cartoon Wacky Races is coming out as a board game now. Speed Racer was an anime that became a movie. So, I mean, you've got all this idea of racing. Racing is something we talk about and we also live. We always seem yes. to be in a hurry everywhere we go. If you go driving on the interstate, everybody's in a hurry. You yeah. go walking in the city, everybody's in a hurry to get to where they're going. It's like we're constantly racing from place to place. I uh, oh gosh, I unfortunately have I, I deal with that way too much at work, um, and I, I imagine a lot of our listeners do as well. Uh, just the the constant looming deadline that's always there, the race to try and get there, the race to try and you know uh, finish your project ahead of time or beat somebody else in doing their job, that sort of thing. And you know when you have when you have that kind of mentality uh, over the last several years, and much to your point, TR, I, I see it so much more now. There's there's actually whole industries that are set up to try and teach people how to relax and how to slow down, right? We're given all the tools that we can possibly have to try and multitask so that we can race on multiple levels. You know, whether it's, you know, racing to your Twitter account and going through that feed or racing to get the news first or, you know, getting it out and getting out of the door quickly with your kids and getting them off to school and everything is just a race, 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 fast, 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 fast. Sometimes that 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 in and of itself gets us into a position where we we naturally don't run a race well, whether that has to do with your, you know, your personal attitude towards the effort you're putting into or the the pace of your life or the quality of what you turn out you know whether it's games or or you know whether it's work or whether it's time spent with family so well i don't know what do you think is there's there's got to be a difference between healthy and, and unhealthy competition right 
Well, I think we mentioned that a little bit in our opening when we made the joke in the skit about sprint versus marathon. Yeah. We, we constantly treat our lives as a sprint. You know, got to get to the movies before the spoilers. Got to get at work, you know, to prove something. Got to get this project done really fast. We rush things sometimes. We, we think we have to pile everything on ourselves when life is a marathon. You know, we got a ways to go. There's a lot to do. Our careers are a marathon. Our families are a marathon. Parenting is definitely a marathon. But I think that's, like you said, when you talk about good and healthy racing, good and bad competition, I think that's the it is when we look at it, it always has to be, you know, better and faster. Mm -hmm. We forget to do things like the slow down and smell the roses, that term. You know, we yeah. live that term called the rat race, you know, that idea that, you know, got to go faster, got to go faster, got to deal with the next thing. You get the FOMO feel, you know, the fear of missing out because we're in such a hurry. The spoilers because we're in such a hurry. So, yeah, I do. I think there is a difference between good racing and bad racing, whether it's racing for real, like runners, they talk about having a good pace, you know, finding mm -hmm. your pace, finding your rhythm. You'll hear people who are runners or gamers and everything talk about getting into the zone. You know, that I did. Yeah. You're focused. You're not running from place to place. You're growing up. My family would have said, you know, running around like a chicken with their head cut off. <laughs> and that yes. to me would be the unhealthy version of a race. Yeah. Or when you feel you have to get it done before everybody else because you're trying to prove yourself. And uh, what was that? You had it. You found a quote. I think you had it in the show notes. What was the one from? Uh, what was it? Lily it's from Tomlin? Lily Tomlin. It says, "The trouble with being in the rat race is that even if you win, you're still a rat." Yeah. I love Lily Tomlin. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And that and that's the that's the big trap with um, with 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 running a race unhealthily. Um, that's that's the big trap when you run a race with blinders on. Um, you know, again, kind of borrowing from uh, from horse racing. You know, a lot of times, horse races they 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 have to they have to have these blinders on because they either get spooked by other horses, they get distracted, um, they get aggressive with other horses, so they have to remain focused straight ahead. And you know, sometimes we, you know, sometimes we'll need the blinders, but for the most part, we we need to run at a pace, find that zone, find that find that speed. That allows us to, to to still see around us. You know, if we get focused on work the entire time, then all of a sudden, you know, I'll I'll make it really personal. Um, the preparation for our show each week, you know, Tr, you you have this this excellent method of reminding us, hey, we've got some notes that we need to start, and we have great meetings where you and myself and Daniel and Mike will, will get together sometimes to, to hash out what we want to do in the future. And those, those meetings are great, but unfortunately they don't extend afterwards and the race comes, you know, comes to a screaming halt. And in, in, in it's, it's about understanding that yes, you know, there's, there's going to be times you have to be focused on family. You have to be focused on work. But don't let that be at the sacrifice of the things around you. You know, your hobby can be so demanding that if that's all you race at, if that's all you persevere at, husband, wives, kids, parents, friends, they suddenly fall by the wayside and suddenly you're left running alone with, you know, with nobody around. So it's, it's finding that pace where you can still see around you. 
and still apply the care that you need to to the things around you. Well, I think the other thing too is you have to be running with a goal. The mm-hmm. problem is if there you're you just running to run, if you're spinning your wheels, as you can, you'll hear people say, if you're, you know, running with the, you know, burning your candle at both ends, if you're just running to run with not a goal. So, you know, if you're running for health, your goal is to be healthier. It's not necessarily you're running to go to a point to win. You're running for health. If you're running a marathon, you're trying to better your time. If you're running a sprint, you are trying to be fast, but it's a very short-term goal. So a friend of mine works in the game industry, and they do these things called sprints. They even do that with the guys in my at work at IT when they're doing coding stuff. They'll do programming sprints. They'll shoot ahead really fast to get one thing done. You know, get mm-hmm. an aspect of it. It's part of the agile development concept. If you've ever read about it, you know, the concept of sprints. So sprints have goals. They're just shorter-term goals, and marathons have longer-term goals. But if you just go out and just start running for no apparent reason, so for, for me, a funny one, you look at an old movie. You look at Forrest Gump. Is that really an old it movie? It really is, actually. But at one point, he just starts running, and he just runs. And people ask him why, and he's just running. And at the end, he's like, I'm tired now. <laughs> so he wasn't roll, running with a particular goal. He was just kind of running away to clear his head. Now, could that be a goal? Maybe. But even he kind of admitted at the end, he was just tired and was going to go home. And I think that's part of part of being a healthy racer is racing with a purpose. And and racing with support. Yes. Right. Sometimes, you know, we and I always say that sometimes there's always an exception to every single rule. But, you know, sometimes we are called to do some things on our own. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You know, we do that. But when you're in what would be classified as a race, whether it's these sprints, you know, these programming sprints, that sort of thing that you talk about, or whether it's, uh, you know, preparing a project or you're, you've got a certain family obligation, chances are you're going to need some help along the way. You know, bringing back in our metaphor of racing, uh, if if any racer decides to go out there and just blast away and just bang out laps, doesn't pay attention to the, the, the person that's in the radio talking to him, you know, not, not coming into pit stop to get fuel or to change tires or check their brakes or whatever, they're going to crash. They're going to hit a wall. They're going to hit somebody else. Something bad's going to happen. And the, the metaphor for that for our lives is realizing that, you know what, you need to, you need to find your pace. You need to have a goal in mind. So whether it's a finish line, whether it's, you know, completing a particular task or even completing a game, you know, sometimes we get lost in the shuffle of not even finishing a a campaign or something. Gosh, I've never heard of that, but have that goal. And then also look, look around you for help. You know, there's, there's other people who are probably running a similar race to you. And there's probably people around you who are looking to say, Hey, I can help. Or maybe you can help somebody else with their race. So I think the, uh, you know, with those three things in mind, the other thing too to consider is, you know, what are you, what are you putting into your, your body or your mind or, or into your preparation before you do a race, right? You know, for, for a metaphor for me as a, as a project manager, I need to know what are my requirements? What do I need to do to get to a goal? You know, I need to know my goal. I need to know my time horizon. I need to know what what kind of requirements do I have to get to that goal? What do you need? What do you expect to see from this widget once it's done? Once I know those requirements, then I know who I need to add to my team. You know, I need to have this guy over here because he's really good at this thing. I need to have this lady over here because she's excellent at testing because she has a keen mind. Or I need, you know, this person over here because they have excellent budget, you know, capability. 
And then I bring my team together to help me finish that race. So, you know, that's that's the kind of information that you want to bring in to help put something out that's great. You know, that whole garbage in, garbage out concept. So that could be fuel is finding your friends. Um, other things, I don't know what, like sleep, food? Yeah. Well, it's like runners. <laughs> you know, they carve up before a race. Yep. And they don't just, you don't just suddenly decide you're going to run a marathon. So that's the other thing about racing. Whether you're racing cars, you don't just suddenly say, I'm going to be a NASCAR driver. You have to learn how to drive. You have to learn how to understand drafting. You have to understand how a car acts. You have to build up the financial backing. You have to build up the reputation in smaller races. You that the To become a NASCAR racer, you have to work your way up to it. Same way, if you're going to be a marathon runner, you've got to spend months, maybe years, building your body up to that distance, depending on what shape you're in when you started. And we're not talking, we're not talking about those donut runs. Yeah. yeah, so like that's interesting is the race itself becomes a goal. You haven't even got to the race to have the goal of finishing the race. You've got a goal to get to the race. Yeah. And I think that's part of how racing looks too is the race seems like the big spectacular part of it. You know, you watch all these. But like you were saying, part of the fun of the computer racing games was building the cars. Yeah. Part of the fun mm-hmm. of Gaslands is dinking around and painting and gluing bits and bobbles <laughs> and, and kit bashing cars and having fun with it. But I think it's the same way when we talk about racing as a metaphor. You have sections of your life and you'll see the big highlight. Like So like right now in my life, my daughters are in college. That's kind of like a big heyday for a parent. You know, you've been there, you know, from the moment they were born to here, you're trying to help them become successful, productive young adults. And to see that transition happening as they're in college and seeing their future, this looks like the exciting race right here these four years. Yet it's been a race (laughs) to get here. And I think... When you're talking about that, what have you done? You have family that are helping you. You have goals that you've set along the way, whether it's physical goals of training or emotional goals or spiritual goals. I mean, racing, the idea is there is a goal, likely multiple small goals. Like even my friends who run long races, they don't think about the end of the race from the beginning. They think about what time am I going to make in this first mile? How am I going to do at the halfway point? You know, they're, they're saying, and then if they hit that kind of wall at the end, they have to decide, okay, I've only got this much time. I'll race this hard for this part of it. Right. Yeah. The goal is the pacing. Yeah. Yeah. I think too often we, we love the flash of the race itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When what's really the exciting part of the race is the getting up to there and the effects after, but we're almost too focused on the race itself. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I think we feel that way in our lives. We get so focused on the daily race of what we've got to get done this week. We sometimes forget about our family goal, our career goals, our personal goals. We get so focused on the daily race, the weekly race, the project race, that we can sometimes forget about having lunch with a coworker. We can, you know, forget about spending time with our kids because we're just so focused on the race that seems to be in front of us when there's this longer marathon race outside of it. And a lot of that, too, is the um, it's that focus forward. You have all of the prep that's gone before. Right. And you have the you have the successes and the failure that have kind of walked you up to that that moment in time 
where you get to the flash, right? Where you're, you're about to do the race. And some of the, some of the preparation that can go into that can be deciding on how you hold on to things that are behind you that you've already come through. Um, do you, do, do you take those failures that you've had and allow it, allow them to drag you down? Right. Or do you allow them to build you up and say, Oh, you know what? Yeah. You know, like, like you were talking about pacing the, the guy who's running the marathon, you know, that, that first mile was a little bit slow. Okay. Let me calculate that. That's a the lesson learned that I know that part of this track was tough and, and it was uphill, but you know what? Up ahead, I have a little bit of a flat straightaway. I can, I can pick up my pace there. And, and I've built up some, uh, some stamina or something, you know, whatever the case may be. So, you know, in, in making the turn, uh, as, as we're wont to do in the, uh, the waning, the waning minutes of our show is the, um, you, you picked a really good one here, uh, Hebrews 12, one, two. Um, so our passage, one of the passages that we've been looking at and, and thinking about the last couple of days, uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Like in that paragraph, in, that, in those two verses, we have the act of making the decision um, and, and, and seeing the people around you that are impacted by this decision, that are, that are witnessing you as you've, uh, and, and people who have witnessed to you, given you information, given you wisdom, and you've shared wisdom with, wisdom with them. But then you're also laying aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Those failures that sometimes can drag you down, right? The, the ones that can, they can, they can mess you up. You're thinking, oh man, I couldn't, I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. I, I fail over here. But if you set that aside and say, you know what, there's there's a strength that's inside of me that's that that God has given me in the Holy Spirit that's helping me look forward and to continue running this race, to live this life as best as I can with with the idea of Jesus in mind, of how he lived his life and how his goal that he achieved is also my goal and it's achievable because of him. So you have hope, you have a goal, you have destination, you have people around you to support you, you have the right fuel. And I just, yeah, I really, uh, <laughs> that, that verse, that verse really encapsulated it for me. It does. It encapsulates what we've been talking about. You know, we, we started out talking about, you know, funny being, you know, humorous about a race. We talked about things we're looking forward to. So we're kind of racing towards games that we want. <laughs> um, yes. But then at the same time, we talked about race games, but ultimately we wanted to talk about what is a race to us? What is racing mm-hmm. in our lives? You know? Yeah. And I think, like I said, this verse, we had others, but this verse just really kind of pulls it together because it talks about that. And I think that's the whole idea. We, we always come back to it at different times. And this kind of gets into this, the great cloud of witnesses. Yeah. I love that because that's one thing we always talk about is that relationship. You know, yes. what, what is the support around you? Whether you're at work, you've got your support there. You're at home, you've got mm-hmm. your support there. Your church, your ministry. You have to look at these races as long-term and you have to mm-hmm. look at the support around you. And I think that's what we got into. And that's why I like this scripture so much because it talks about lay aside what's been struggling, you know, behind you. Don't let sin cling to you. Run with endurance. It does just kind of focus it all together. And it tells yeah. us to be always looking towards Jesus. I mean, other scriptures we're looking at talk about that, like Second Timothy 4, 
Um, talks about, you know, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Um, you look at the first faith. Corinthians. It talks about know that all runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. You know, so much scripture uses the race as a metaphor, but it always makes you understand you have to prep and look at it long term. None of them are talking about the race as a sprint. And you have to do it, though. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, is you have to run it. Yeah, you can't obtain the prize. You can't finish if you don't run in the first place. Exactly. It's good stuff. It's good. And it's one of those things that I think we need to sit back and reflect on. What are we racing toward and why are we racing? Amen. So all of you out there, slow down, take a pit stop. And remember, God is the game master. And no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. Uh, hey, guys, I, I found those new contrast paints from Citadel. Uh, wait, where'd everybody go? Why am I here? It's dark. What happened?